Thank you for joining the Fastest Known Podcast. This is an interesting time. We're practicing physical distancing, but hopefully not social distancing because we want to stay connected. We want to stay in touch. We want to hear what each of us is doing. And today, especially, we have a really, I'm so stoked on this guest today because normally we're talking about talking with runners, climbers, skiers, athletes, but this time we're going to reach behind the curtain and see what's going on from the outdoor industry itself. I am speaking with the president of La Sportiva North America, Jonathan Lance. Welcome, Jonathan. Hey there, Buzz. Great to hear you, and uh, thanks for having me. Definitely. So running stores, outdoor stores are mostly closed. It could be varying in different parts of this country. They're mostly closed all over the world, although I think China and Japan less so. But basically, for most athletes, you can't go in your local shop. Now that that kind of that hurts. That's bad. But on your end, you are in business of supplying them with gear which no one can buy. So, Jonathan, this is a big question, but tell it to me. Tell it to everyone. What does this look like from your end? Um, I'm just going to lay it all out there, Buzz. It hurts. It is not easy. It's not easy right now. Um, You basically hit the pause button on your entire business right there in mid-March. And um, the shakeout from this is it's going to take years to recover from it. Um, We don't know really what next week is even going to look like. So. Um, the fact that the stores are closed and that's where the majority of business is uh, for the entire outdoor industry, that's really painful. Uh, luckily, we do have online business and we do have the ability to ship direct to consumers and some other stores do as well. So that kind of limps it along. Um, but the hard thing is stores may close, but we can't stop the flow of our business of incoming goods. So stuff that's coming from manufactured overseas, um, manufactured in Italy and Romania and China and Vietnam, that's all still coming in. And we're just, uh, I, I won't say slowly, because this is the time of year when you're taking in a lot of goods into a lot of uh, warehouses and distribution centers. It's a rapid accumulation of goods. Wow, that's a heck of a point. So it's mid-April, spring selling season. It's like Christmas for the outdoor business. And your warehouse now is filling up, but it's not emptying out. You got it. Dang. It is, um, it's, it's, Dang. Uh, you know, modeling out what the next few months looks like is really tough. It's, um, you know, it's tough, it, but... It is a fun challenge to figure out how we're going to make all of this work. And luckily, you know, this isn't just us dealing with this, though. Everyone's in the same boat. Right. The retailers, of course, they're closed. So they're, unless they have an online business. And some of them, of course, are going for curbside pickup, you know, place your orders and pick it up. So they're getting hurt. Interestingly enough, they can just cut off the income and they can just say, sorry, we're not going to take the order. But coming from the factory in Vietnam or Romania, you're going to take the order. So you've bought the stuff, whether you sell it or not. Yeah. And, you know, you're working on some timelines that are uh, 
120 days before uh, it leaves. And so we placed orders a couple months ago that we're shipping now, um, you know, five days before this all became a reality, we were placing orders to ship for the fall winter 2020 season. You place that order, that factory starts ordering raw materials and it's game on and putting the, the stop button or the pause button on those orders um, is very challenging, sometimes impossible. So uh, it, it's a it's an interesting new world that we're looking at. <laughs> right. <laughs> sorry to sorry to chuckle, but I it's no, a it's a classic climbers way of phrasing. I see climbers, you know, to downplay everything is is how it's done. You can't you can never spray, and so calling it an interesting new world we're looking at. I think uh, I think we can read a lot into that. Thanks. Yeah, read what you'd like to into that one. For sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think a lot of people realize how far out it goes. So I believe uh, you were doing a virtual showing with REI, obviously a pretty big customer, just uh, recently, yesterday. What uh, product line, what season were you showing them? So right now you're showing Spring 21. Right. You're showing them products that you want them to bring in and carry um, starting as, as early as January 2021 through June 2021. And you started those designs uh, six months prior to now. So basically, it's you're 18 months out. Yeah, those designs were started um, a year ago. Oh, a year ago. So you're basically two years out. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And then like you say... Once you order from the factory, they're going to buy raw materials. They're going to buy all that they have to because that's how they get the production line set up. And then if you say, oops, pandemic, I don't think I want it anymore, they're going to say, uh, hmm. <laughs> and then I imagine an interesting negotiation takes place. Yeah, there's some negotiation. There's um, some begging, some pleading. Um, well, you know, the fact that this started, uh, the virus started in China, uh, there is more understanding. Uh, the measures they took over there were obviously more draconian than what we did here. And so it seems as though they locked it down a lot faster and their economy has recovered quicker. Um, but that doesn't really, um, it doesn't buy us a lot of leeway. Uh, most of the factories we work with over there, though, it's been a 15-year relationship. So there's some understanding. There's some ability to push out orders, but in general, we've got to take a lot of what we've ordered already. They want to keep you, that's, that's classic negotiation. It's about relationships. The entire outdoor industry is based on relationships. And if you've been a customer for 15 years, they want you to be a customer for the next 15. So they're going to work with you, not 100%, but not 0%. Yes, that is completely true. Uh, the good thing about the majority of products that we're making over there is footwear, and it has a longer shelf life than, say, the fashion business or outdoor fashion goods. So luckily, we can kind of work with carrying inventory into more seasons than we were planning, um, postponing some new projects out, and kind of working with uh, the factory, the R&D team, so that we don't really um, basically 
illegitimize our own inventory or our retailer's inventory so we can give it a longer shelf life. Now, that's a good point, right? Fashion sometimes have a seasonal turnover while footwear, you can get a year, two, maybe even three out of it. Well, you know, we are coming up, we're going to celebrate in 2021, the 30th anniversary of a climbing shoe called the Mythos. So sometimes you get 30 years out of a product. I have a pair of Mythos. <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. Most, most climbers do. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. Well, speaking of anniversaries, I think the parent company, which is based in Val de Fiamme in Italy, the Dolomites, has been around for 93 years. And of course, Italy just got whacked by the pandemic. What are you hearing from Italy, Jonathan? Yeah, so I have, um, I am emailing, chatting with them um, almost every day. Uh, every Wednesday right now, we have a check-in with the leadership over there. Um, and it's it's brutal. They've been on a stay-at-home order for, I think it's nine weeks now. And their stay-at-home order is very different from what we're dealing with here. They fine. They, they money. Yeah, they uh, they can't go within 200 yards of their house. They can't go outside to exercise. Uh, they can walk the dog, and they can go to the grocery store, and that is it. And they'll if they get caught, they're given a what was it a 1,000 euro fine. Yeah. Steep fines. Um, they're walking around with guns everywhere. It's 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 real. Wow. It's a, it's a it's a complete lockdown. And you know, entering week nine, some of the people I'm talking with, you know, they've got young kids and um, they live in smaller spaces than most uh, most Americans do traditionally. And um, they're going a little stir crazy. Not going to lie to you. <laughs> All right. As indeed they might. And this is true not just in Milan and the big cities, but this is true up in the hills, too. This is true up in the hills, in the Dolomites, where our headquarters is. Okay. All right. Well, here on FastSnowTime.com, we're getting FKTs submitted from all over the world, and the submissions have doubled because there are no races. So people are getting out and doing all sorts of things. And oddly, no, not oddly, I should say, nothing is coming in from Italy or Spain or Andorra. And of course, these are Spain and Italy are great mountain running centers, as you know, but we're getting no submissions. Uh, interestingly, we're getting submissions from Germany. Probably one fifth of our FKT submissions are from Germany right now, plus some from Austria and Belgium. So I guess it's a little more slack there. You can kind of gauge how things are by the FKT submissions. Oh, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the lockdown, well, we're, we're not going to discuss the uh, scientific veracity on that. We're talking about business here. Have you managed to keep your employees or did you have to furlough some? You know, our goal is to uh, maintain our entire employee pool. And we've managed to do that so far. Um, and it, it looks like we're probably going to be able to do that. But you never know if this thing comes roaring back and there's a second round of rising infection rates. Um, you know, as I said before, it's an interesting new world. So um, as of right now, everyone at La Sportiva North America, we've got 44 employees. 
is still employed, still getting a paycheck. We are working from home. We are bringing some people into the office to receive those containers I was talking about and to ship out products to um, whoever's placing orders online. So we are still processing that. It is um, a skeleton crew for sure. We're, you know, maintaining our social, uh, our physical distancing, not our social distancing, wearing face masks and taking precautions and making sure everyone feels safe about it, being very sensitive to anyone that has specific needs. Um, so that's, you know, that's good. That is good. Good job. And uh, yeah. listeners should note, go on the website, uh, com will be on the website and Here's a major call out. You can buy anything you want, not just running shoes, not just climbing or mountaineering shoes, but you sell full line of outdoor apparel, you sell skis, you sell all sorts of stuff. And so they are open for online business. Absolutely. Thanks for the plug. Thanks for the plug, Buzz. Appreciate it. Um, well, that's, that's I, to, I also, yeah, <laughs> I also wanted to talk about uh, the Italians as well and their employee pool. You know, they, uh, have they still have everyone um, on the payroll? It is at a reduced rate, and that is sponsored by the government over in Italy. And as of May fourth, they are starting to look at easing the restrictions that they have going. Uh, so they will start ramping up manufacturing again. Currently, they do have a small crew in there that is manufacturing face masks, and they're producing face masks there. I think they're working on producing 50,000 masks right now that are going to be used um, all over Italy. That's great. That's classic. The out, many companies in the outdoor industry attempted to shift production into PPEs, and so La Sportiva is producing 50,000 face masks. And, Jonathan, I have a question from a listener that came in in advance. Are you ready for this one? It's a tough one. You ready? I'm ready. Go for it. Can La Sportiva make a face mask that won't fog my glasses? Hmm. <laughs> I, I, you know, I can usually answer most technical questions <laughs> about products, but I am not skilled in the face mask realm. That, that question, um, it, we, Jonathan, that was, that was a little bit of a curveball. That question came in from Peter Backwin. Oh, okay. Well, we have a, um, a very strong climber who works in the warehouse who uh, is asking the same exact thing. And um, I told him, you know, I don't have an answer there. Uh, so I've heard that question already. What we are going to do is I, I do have a friend who is in Denver making face masks. And I think that if we do a hybrid material that is more uh, perforated and mesh on the top, possibly inch of the face mask, that there could be a solution there. If you did that, you would crush it. You could uh, shift your business. People would appreciate it. I've, I've actually, I've experienced this. I basically do not go indoors except in my own house, except once in the past four weeks, I went to Whole Paycheck, aka Whole Foods, to do my senior shopping hour uh, from 7 to 8 a.m. I was wearing my N95 face mask. And my glasses were fogging up. So actually, if you could, if you could, you know, solve that equation, you'd be right there. Stop breathing so hard. That's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, uh, shifting gears to something a little more realistic here. And thanks for fielding that tough question. Something you said a few minutes ago 
is definitely still with me, and I kind of want to drill into this. It won't ever be the same, will it? No, I, I don't think it, it's ever going to be the same. I was reading an interesting article today, and it, it referenced the A.C. time, kind of like uh, A.D., but after COVID. Yeah. So everything after we kind of get through this and we sort of return uh, to what will be the new normal, that'll be the after COVID time. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Well, of course, we know, uh, generally speaking, societally speaking, we know that all of this, like business, as you know, people used to fly all over the world to talk to someone. And now, of course, it's stupid. Uh, that'll happen to some degree, but Zoom is here to stay. We all should have bought stock in Zoom about six weeks ago. And same with the whole work from home thing. I mean, there's young people saying, hey, I, I'm effective at home. I'm productive. And the older, if I may make that generalization, pardon me, I'm old, so I can make that generalization. HR directors say, no, no, you got to come in here. That's done, over. So work from home is going to be here to stay. Those are some of the good outcomes, I think. And also another good outcome is we're realizing that, if I may make this statement, buying bombers and aircraft carriers doesn't really make us safe. On the other hand, buying protective medical equipment to protect us from pandemics, that actually does make us safe. So hopefully our national budget will shift. That'll be positive. But here's some potential negatives. Um, and this is a touchy one. Now, you know this one's a touchy. So like you said, stores are closed. Amazon is not closed. Amazon mm -hmm. is full gas, pedal to the metal. And their goal always has been to take over retail. I mean, that's what Jeff Bezos said. They're succeeding. So coming out of this, it kind of looks like Amazon's going to be stronger. And so this is a touchy topic. But my personal opinion is I'm not sure if that is a good thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Amazon's stronger. I don't think it's a um, a great thing for the outdoor industry because, you know, the community is what we all value. And, you know, we've seen a lot of this discussion happen as online has changed our marketplace over the last 10 years and Amazon has grown stronger. Um, it has detracted from the community at first, but now we've seen our small specialty retailers really focus on the community to make themselves more relevant and to kind of draw in that audience. What that looks like in the future, I, you know, I think it's just going to be an altered landscape um, with some, you know, scheduled times of when people can attend events, uh, maybe some larger areas. Um, I'm guessing here, I don't really know some larger areas for community events. Um, but having one dominant player, as we have always seen um, throughout the years, tends to make it tougher for people like me, like people for the brands, for the, um, makes it tougher for us to function, tougher for us to negotiate when someone has that much power. So uh, I would have to agree with you. They have a lot of power. I noticed that La Sportiva worked with it by establishing, I think, your own store instead of just letting Amazon deal it or third-party sellers deal with it, which can become a bun fight, you know, a price war. 
by establishing your own presence on Amazon, you can control the price. So you say, you know, here's MSRP. They got to stick with it as long as because you're controlling it. Well, if third party people are up there, they could start to discount and it can get awkward. So La Sportiva has always supported the, the local retailer very strongly. Yeah, that, that's been, you know, that's a key to success in the future, to success in the past, success now. What that looks like moving forward, um, we're going to find out. For us, it's, it's really important to maintain the value of our product because, you know, you know Buzz, you, we worked together in the years past and, you know, it's not like we're selling widgets with these huge margins. What we're trying to do is make the best products for doing fun stuff in the mountains and moving fast in the mountains. And that requires a lot of R&D, a lot of detailed manufacturing, a lot of intricate work. And to do that, you've got to maintain the, you know, this solid employee base, people who have really high skills, really skilled laborers. And you, to keep people around like that, you have to treat them well. So we work on pretty thin margins. And when you get big players that are always looking to drive down the price so that they can move more product and make more money for themselves and put the pressure on brands, that's when you're going to squeeze out all of the, the smaller brands that really make the cool niche products that we like. Right. And the innovation. So the, the if someone just says, okay, running shoe for 60 bucks. Running shoe for $120. I'll get the one for $60. Whoa, you sure about that? Because like you said, not only is the quality and the detail there, but the innovation and the design development is there as well. And so yet if it's only the big discounters stay, then the everybody suffers. It's not just the small player, but everyone, the whole industry suffers because the market is not being driven forward. Correct. I used to have a yeah. comment when we worked together, Jonathan. I used to say the big problem with La Sportiva is that the shoes lasted too long. <laughs> <laughs> they just never wore out. I mean, the, the sole, the, the outsole could be rubbed completely smooth and the sole is still functioning. So, you know, I, I speak in jest here, of course. But from a business perspective, that was bad for business because people could buy a shoe and use it for a few years while some of the competing brands, they'd you know, they go 300 miles and they're in the trash can. So Italy, Italy, it's it's a tradition. And I should note that La Sportiva International is a family-owned business, which possibly influences how they do business. That is, that, that is a very true statement. You know, La Sportiva, the Deladio family is in the fourth generation now running the the business and it's in the same valley that it was started in 93 years ago um it's it's an honor to work with that family and this business because they do value making a high quality product that lasts a really long time and they've seen success doing that you know the goal is to keep that going for the next 90 years and to really the next couple of years to really start to focus on the things we do every day for our business, um, for being sustainable, for building the next 90 years so that we can still be here. So the same families can still live in that same beautiful valley in the Dolomites 
and their next generations can be stitching shoes, soling shoes, grinding rands, and all of that. Nice. Well, that's well said. And of course, they keep you on their on your toes because, after all, they are Italians. Jeez, that is a truth. <laughs> <laughs> never a dull moment. <laughs> no, no, never a dull moment. But um, I have the utmost respect for them, and I I hope that they have the same respect for me. I'm sure they do. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made you president. Here's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is interesting. Let's just stick with uh, the changes that are coming down. How about marketing? So normally in times like this, the marketing budget gets cut immediately because it's discretionary while you know, the rent on the building less so. Um, how is that changing? Or uh, yeah, if right now, how has that changed for La Sportiva in North America? And how do you see it changing? I, for example, see there's been a little bit of a bloat in terms of sponsorship. There's a lot of people out there. And do you think that's going to get reined back in or do you see that continuing? Um, I see it continuing, but in a, an altered state. So, you know, one of the biggest things that marketing does, and especially Las Motiva marketing is, you know, is content marketing. And with that content marketing comes a lot of events, a lot of big public events where you cram a lot of people into the same place to watch climbing events, World Cup climbing events, um, outdoor climbing events where people are going out and climbing with various uh, sponsored athletes and taking clinics. I think that that's going to change drastically. And creating these... Um, experiences and virtual experiences that people could possibly participate in or share their own, I think is going to be the future in the next couple of years until we figure out what the new normal looks like. So, you know, that, that big word of cut that you said and marketing cuts, that's, that's a, a tough one that we're, everyone's processing right now and trying to figure out. But right now, the event sponsorship is, it's all gone. All events are canceled. So, there, there's a big cut right there. Indeed. That's interesting. We have events are out the window. Whether it's a big a climbing camp, comp or obviously a running race. And I note that uh, I'll remind listeners to go to your website again. They can click on your ambassadors. And it suddenly dawned on me, looking at this list here, Jonathan, that if La Sportiva was a country, you could form your own climbing team and win the Olympics. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's I mean, true for whoa. sure. Um, Ouch. I'm looking at this. We have uh, we have uh, Tommy Caldwell, you know, of course, Don Wall, Alex Honnold, a uh, free ascent of the nose, um, Margot Hayes, first 515D, Adam Andra, world's best climber. So, yeah, you got quite the, quite the lineup there. You know, I would say that if we formed our own country, we could climb the hardest walls in the world. But competition, Olympic style, World Cup climbing competition is a whole different ball of wax from climbing the Dawn Wall. Right. That's why, so uh, that's I, why you had world's most. We, go ahead. I think we could end up, uh, you know, top five in the Olympics with that team that you mentioned, especially having Andra on there. Uh, but the, that, that, that World Cup climbing competition with the speed, 
and the bouldering and just that atmosphere, not everyone shines in that atmosphere. Right. Yep, it's different, very different. And Andra, the world's best climber, you know, he had to shift gears. I mean, he just said, I've done everything else. Now I got to focus on comp climbing because it's, it's its own sport. And he was famously irritated at having to do the so-called speed, which is understandable. So we won't get to find out now for another 15 months because the Olympics don't take place until next July now. Yep. Yeah, and that's a that's a big challenge in itself for all those athletes to, you know, they were on a strict training regimen to be at the peak of their climbing career coming into July and now they're reevaluating their entire timeline and what their fitness looks like. And I believe you're hosting an event with uh, Tommy this evening which unfortunately I cannot plug because this evening is not when people are listening to the podcast. I should note that today is April 22nd. Since events in the world change so fast, it's important to announce what date we're having this conversation. And on that note, Jonathan, I will wish you happy Earth Day. I almost forgot. Yeah, same back to you. Happy Earth Day, Buzz. And I do believe it is the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. Is that correct? It's the 50th, and I was there at the first. I was a volunteer at the first Earth Day 50 years ago. I was. That makes me about 52 years old now. <laughs> and I note that okay, La Sportiva. Sure. <laughs> I note that La Sportiva put up five percent for Earth Dance website. I wish we could really plug this, but of course it's too late since. Earth Day has passed by the time people will be listening to this. But what has also been canceled is Summer Outdoor Retailer. It's the last thing I'll mention before we wrap up the how will the outdoor industry be changed. OR is a big deal. It was the show. It was uh, Christmas, and it's been canceled for this year. So going back to my question about brick and mortar, as we call it, versus online, is this going to change the landscape even more? I mean, does brick and mortar still have a good place to play or is more revenue going to go to the online people? Um, you know, brick and mortar for sure. I think we'll have a good place to play. Um, it's, you know, the outdoor retailer trade show was a way to bring everyone together to show them the new products and make it easy for the brands. Now I'd, the onus is going to be on the brands to be more flexible, to virtually figure out a way to preview all of the stores that are out there, to provide the materials for the reps to go out and, and work with all of their local retailers and um, provide them the shoes. Maybe it, it is a one-on-one -on -one with one buyer and one rep and their social distancing, and then the brands have to provide all of the digital materials to support that. So. Um, as we know, and I think you know this, the outdoor retailer show had shifted to more of a, a marketing event instead of a selling event. Right. And so we're all just going to have to figure out how to be more flexible moving forward and, um, be more digital. Right. So OR will be back in 2022 and 2023, even though it has shifted, no one's writing paper anymore. It's shifted to a high. How are you doing? And what's in plans and making connections and making relationships and the brands will be more flexible. So speaking of which, with your REI showing, I believe that was virtual. It wasn't at all in person, was it not? 
is correct. It was all virtual. So in the past, we would fly out there and show them all the products and, you know, have lunch and shake hands and pass around paper. And now it was all, you send everything before, and then you're running through a virtual presentation with products in front of the camera that are highlighted with special lighting. Um, it is definitely interesting, and we had to shift and figure out a way to do that within about two weeks. Um, I enjoyed it. It was nice to be in my bed that night. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Special lighting. So you had you couldn't just you know whip it out in front of your iPhone. That wouldn't work at all. So you set up a really good studio video shot in order to share this. Correct. You do that, and then to to that point, we also ship out physical samples of what we're showing as well, so they can have them in their hands. Um, and that's going to be. I think the big challenge for um, working with all of the other retailers out there is how do you get to everyone within this time frame? And that's where OR made a lot easier. You could see everyone in a short time frame um, or at the, the local regional trade shows that were happening with the rep groups as well. I got it. Makes sense. And I also want to do yeah. another call out for everyone listening, which is La Sportiva is open for business. And I should say, maybe your local dealer is also. So always, and Jonathan, you won't, you know, you won't argue with this one in the slightest. You'll support this. Always support your local dealer because they're the ones that are driving the innovation, driving the sport, enable the sport to grow and good products to come onto the market. So if your local dealer is offering curbside pickup or delivery, please take them up on it because I'm sure they could use your business. Absolutely. Those local retailers, you know, they support your community. They help build the trails. They help clean up the crags. They employ some of you. Um, yeah, we have to support our local retailers and help them get through this really difficult time while they are mandated to have their doors shuttered. Right. Right. That's not an option for them. Wow. Okay. Things will not be the same ever again. And uh, what do you call it? Pre C, pre CV? What'd you call it? Um, AC. So you had BC, and then there was AD, right before Christ and after death, and now we've got after COVID. AC, got it. After COVID, right? Oh, yeah. Thank you, thank you. So that uh, it will be different. Some for the good, and uh, some we're wait we'll wait to determine that so maybe we'll have you on again next year jonathan you can give us the update because nobody knows <laughs> it's nobody <really> knows <laughs> it's truly you amazing know, to be in a situation where nobody knows <laughs> yeah luckily you know we are a a um industry of and a country of very intelligent people and Change is constant and change spurs innovation. And more than likely, this is going to make things for the better. Excellent. On that note, I bid you adieu. Thanks for your time, Buzz. I appreciate it.